Do you have adequate respect for yourself? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. And in this coming Parsha of Mishpatim, we have a Parsha packed with laws, many of which relate to interpersonal affairs. And I want to look at a fascinating lesson that emanates from the laws of damages, particularly of personal injury. The Torah describes that if one causes injury to another, he is having to pay what is described as ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye. Now, the Talmud is very clear that this does not mean that the court is to literally blind somebody who has caused somebody else loss of an eye. They do not chop off the hand of somebody who caused injury to somebody else's hand. It means compensation. It is no benefit to the victim if the attacker suffers a physical loss. We would rather see to it that the attacker provides payment to the victim, and that's exactly what the Torah demands. But, the Torah has opted to write it in this much more graphic description, an eye for an eye, as the Rashbam explains, to let the attacker understand the effects of his behavior, and that, in a sense by having caused the loss of limb to somebody else, in a sense that that's what should be happening to him. It is so severe that he has caused this loss that, in a sense, he should no longer have that eye, he should no longer have that arm, but that is of no benefit to the victim, and that's not what we are going to do. But he has to realize, even if, in fact, he has all of the money in the world and it's no big deal for him to shell out tens of thousands of dollars here and there, but the degree to which he should feel the pain of the other and he should feel distressed over having caused that injury is being taught to him by this more vivid eye-for-an-eye type of terminology. Within that section that is dealing with those laws of personal injury, the Torah uses what seems to be a relative redundancy, which the Talmud understands to describe to us that if, in fact the injury that is caused is less than the value of a pruta. A pruta is a very, very small ancient copper coin, probably just several cents, but for the sake of the argument, to keep our numbers easy, let's say a dollar. I'm sure it's far, 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 far less than a dollar, but we'll call it a dollar. If the damages are less than a dollar, and we don't prosecute for that, we're not going to open a court case for that, then it defaults to the Torah punishment for one who has violated the Torah, and again, if at least in the case of a purposeful attack, then since there's a violation of the Torah to hit somebody, to cause somebody an injury, except in the rare instances that it is actually Torah-mandated, since it was in violation of the Torah, in a context where we're not discussing compensation because the matter was so financially petty then it reverts to the punishment for the violation, and that is lashes. Malkos or lashes, a very severe physical punishment for having breached the laws of the Torah. Violation of a thou shalt not is punished in the court by lashes. The lashes were not a simple affair. You had to have a, a doctor's evaluation to see to it that the criminal could sustain the lashes without dying. 
and if not, the number was reduced from the classic 39, reduced by groups of 3, to 36, or 33, or 30, or 9, or 6, or 3, reduced to see to it that this perpetrator of the crime would suffer the lashes and yet survive the lashes. So not a simple matter to face those lashes. And the Talmud understands the Gemara in, in Ksubos that in such instance that the, the, the injury was very, very minimal uh, and therefore payment would be minuscule, that it reverts instead to the law of the lashes. And Rashi, in his comments to the Talmud, says that we are dealing with a, uh, a compensation of less than, again, using our dollar just as the example, less than a dollar for the cumulative payments that are relevant in a case of an injury. I'm referring to the fact that the Talmud describes that one who causes injury can often end up paying five different forms of payment. There is the loss of value suffered by this injury. There is the lost wages suffered due to the injury. There is the pain factor. There is the embarrassment factor. And there are the medical um, you know, payments. So one who causes an injury, let's say he has uh, radically injured somebody else's arm. Again, we're not going to remove the arm of the attacker. But if he has made it hard for this person to function at work, and he has had him have to take time to go deal with medical um, you know, uh, therapies and, and getting the arm casted and potentially surgery, so the payments would be on the multiple fronts. Again, the pain, the embarrassment, the, the loss of work, medical bills, and the um, lost wages. So the Rashi comments, when we're talking about somebody who caused less than that pruta damage, and again, we'll call that the dollar, we're dealing where there's less than that amount of damage for all five of those forms of payment collectively. Comments the Chavetz Chaim, we must be dealing with a fairly petty injury. Again, that the sum total, uh, there were no, no doctor bills of note, and there's no time off of work, and there's no significant embarrassment factor or significant pain factor. So, what kind of injury are we talking about that has, at the end of the day, a 35-cent payment? Uh, you know, something that's going to be called less than our pruta threshold. It's a very, very petty injury. I don't know, gave this person a small paper cut, a, a, a slap on the back that was somewhat disturbing. But whatever the, the sum total of all five potential areas of payment don't stack up to achieve that pruta. And yet, now somewhat shockingly, having done this to this other party is going to lead to those lashes for having violated the Torah prohibition of causing somebody else distress and pain of having hurt somebody. Even though we're talking about such a token amount of pain and distress and and bodily harm, but that action was a breach of the Torah and results in lashes. Commentaries pulling this together point to the fact that apparently the degree to which we must respect that other person's body is so significant that we should realize that causing fairly insignificant distress is still a breach of how the Torah wants us to operate vis-a-vis that body. But we can take it a step further. 
Because it's not only the other person's body that I'm expected to respect. The Talmud describes, actually, in the Avos Rabbi Nassan, the famed Hillel was going out, and his students asked, to where are you going? And he said, I am out to do a mitzvah. He was headed to the bathhouse, and they said, what mitzvah? He said, I'm going to wash myself. And they said, what mitzvah is that? And he said, imagine somebody was assigned the task of washing, polishing the statue that is the statue of the king. Would one not consider that to be a great honor to the king? Well, my body reflects God in this world. God made, made each of us in his image, and again, it's not the physical body that's in his image, but it captures the idea of godliness in the world, and we could say it in this way, that we all have an ashama inside of us, a soul inside of us that is a a spark of God, so to speak, and the body is the container of that neshama. The body is the facilitator of that neshama operating in this world. Without the body, the neshama can't operate over here on this planet. So the body is the tool for the concept of the image of God to be expressed in this world. I'm washing that reflection of the image of God. That's how we have to relate to our own body. And if we are taught to be so cautious when it comes to respecting that other person's self, not to cause any needless distress, and that the subtle distress could lead to those very severe lashes in the courtroom. The parallel is, how do we relate to our own selves? Not causing ourselves needless distress. I have to properly take care of my physical self so that I can express my spiritual self, and that we not do anything damaging to that physical self, needlessly uh, stressing or distressing the, the physical container of our own neshama. We look in that mirror and notice our reflection in the water and we are perceiving, oh, look at that face. Uh, blah, whatever we think of mirror, mirror on the wall, but if we are reflecting on who is the most capable reflection of my neshama in this world, there's only one body on this planet that can properly uh, allow my neshama to operate over here. And that's the body I'm looking at. That's the face I'm seeing in that reflection. In our laws over here of how we relate to the other party, how cautious we have to be to not cause distress, how much we have to respect his self, and parallel how much I have to respect myself, we come to an acknowledgement, a recognition of just how significant we really are. And if that's how God expects us to operate, God respects, demands that we respect that party so significantly. And God respects, demands that we respect ourselves significantly. And hopefully, we can learn to respect ourselves as well. Having greater respect for each other, greater respect for ourselves, will surely allow us to allow our neshamas, each of our neshamas, to operate properly and achieve what they're meant to accomplish and bring out the possibility of each of us achieving Eretachlis.